Hi you guys. I just wanted to give out a little reminder that we are regular people doing a very irregular thing with podcasting. All of us from Two True Freaks put a lot of time and energy and hours to do this hobby that we love so much. So it would be really helpful if you go and review our shows. Go on iTunes, write us a nice review, give us a little five-star rating if you think we're five stars, or if you don't think we're five stars, leave us how many you think you are, and then tell us what's going on. We love feedback, so it lets us produce better quality shows. Also, while you're on twotruefreaks.com, consider clicking the donate button, because this helps us fund our crazy hobby that we love so much. The other option is you can go to Two True Freaks, click on the Amazon logo, and anything that you buy on Amazon, a portion of it will come back to us with no cost to you. Thanks so much, and enjoy another episode of Hope of All Trades. Prepare for trouble! Make it double! We're gonna fly over polar bears and see them and look at them and be with the polar bears! Yes! No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Everyone wants some magical solution for their problem, and everyone refuses to believe in magic. Two True Freaks presents Hope of All Trades, hosted by Hope Molnax, talking like a man and fangirling like a lady since 2010. Frighten people. Give me a Dalek any day. everyone welcome to a brand new episode of hope of all trades man it's it's been a while since i've done a show by myself um i've, I've done a lot of uh, guest shows lately and i mean it's been fun i love having guests on my show but you know it's sometimes you gotta go back to the original stuff and just talk by yourself and i have the coolest show ever to talk about today um and I'm gonna, there's a lot to talk about so let's go ahead and get started today i'm gonna chat about my new favorite show it's really helped me in the off-season between the in-season finales of all my shows that were wa- I was watching and between going to the fall shows and this really long, crappy summer break that we've been going through. Um, and the show that I'm talking about today is called Gravity Falls. Oh, it's so good. Oh, I love it so much. Um, a little background on Gravity Falls. It's on the Disney Channel. And you go, oh my gosh, Hope, why are you talking about a Disney Channel show? Because it's literally one of the best shows on TV right now. It has something for everyone, and it's so, 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 so good. Uh, just a little bit of a background. It's written by Alex Hirsch. Um, he w- started on Flapjack. And and you can hear about the whole beginning process on the Nerdist Writers Podcast. He was a guest on it a few episodes back. It's a really great listen, especially if you're a Gravity Falls fan. Uh, it talks about the entire process of how he writes the show, how we get started, Pretty much, he wanted to write a show about him and his twin sister, Ariel, and them growing up. And so I highly suggest listening to the Nurse Writers podcast uh, with him on it. It's a really great episode. It has the entire process of like how he writes an episode and how he goes through it. I'm not really going to touch on it today because, like I said, I have a lot to talk about today. So let's go. So uh, this episode is full of spoilers, though. I'm going to be talking about the season finale. I'm going to be talking about a lot of fan theories. Um, since this is a podcast special that's based on a kid show, I promise I'll try and keep myself in check and try not to swear, but I can't, I can't 
I can't promise that a word or two might pop out. Just a heads up, because you guys know me. I swear like a sailor. So, yes. Alright. Why should you, dear listeners, watch Gravity Falls? Well, I was first exposed to Gravity Falls through Tumblr. A lot of my friends were watching it, and they were like, This is such a great show! Mabel's such a great girl, and such a great character for kids and stuff. And I was just like, okay, yeah, this is cool. And a friend of mine showed me my very first episode, and I liked it. It was, it was really good, and it didn't really pique my interest. When I was a nanny, my nanny kid watches Disney Channel religiously. Like, it's it's almost always on. I have to, like, pry her away from the TV because she loves Disney Channel. And I started watching it more with her. And what I like about Gravity Falls, when it comes to a kid's show, it has everything that both little boys and little girls love. It has action, it has venture, it, it's funny. It's really funny on a kid's level, but the thing is, for kids, it has all the stuff that kids love. But for adults, this show is so deep. It's so deep, and there are so many layers on it. So there would be things that she would not get that I would totally get. Like there is a scene in the... Uh, the Land Before Swine episode, where Mabel's like, Uncle Stan, Grunkle Stan is gone, let's have a dance party! And all of her moves are from the Breakfast Club. And that one scene, like, where they're dancing in the library. And it's something that totally went over my nanny kid's head, but I completely got myself. And it's just, there's so many layers to this show, and once you dump, jump into the fandom, oh my gosh, this fandom is so smart, and there's so much going on, and there's so many codes hidden, and... The more and more you delve into the mythos, the more you see how much is really, truly going on. And it's not just a kid show anymore. That's why you should watch Gravity Falls, because it literally has something for everybody. So let's talk about the characters right fast. Uh, the main characters are Dipper and Mabel. They're twins, and they're actually based on Alex and Ariel Hirsch and their childhood, like I said earlier. And Dipper, Dipper's a good straight man character. You know, he's curious, they're, they're sent there to stay with their Grunkle stand for the summer, and at the beginning they're like, oh my god, we have to be with my Grunkle, and I'm saying Grunkle, because Stan is their great uncle, so they just call him Grunkle Stan, and so they're like, we have to be here in summer, we're going to have to work in this dumb thing called the Mystery Shack, which is his home, And but Stan runs uh, the Mystery Shack out of his home, where he pretty much just rips off tourists all the time by making really, really cheap items as magic. Like, for example, he makes a thing called the Corner Corn, and it's a unicorn statue made out of corn. <laughs> so it's stuff like that. Um, and they're just, you know, they're not really happy about being there, and it's in this little sleepy town called Gravity Falls, and it's in Oregon, and it's full of really weird people. Uh, one day, Dipper goes out to put up signs promoting the mystery shack, and he stumbles upon a metal tree. And when he opens the tree, there's this little radio-looking box on the inside. And when he flips the switch, behind him a trap door opens, and he finds this book. And this book has a hand on the front. It's a red book, and it has a number three on it. And the, the numbers are important. I'll, you'll hear about the numbers throughout the course of this podcast. And when he opens it, it shows that there's more to Gravity Falls than you know. And it has all these entries about all the magical, mystical things that are happening in this town. And what happens is you don't know who the writer is. Some writer wrote this magical, mystical book about his time in Gravity Falls, and it's 
and one of the things it says, it's been, on the very first page, it says, it's hard to believe it's been six years since I began researching the strange and wondrous secrets of Gravity Falls, Oregon. In all my travels, I've never observed so many curious things. Gravity Falls is indeed a geographical oddity. And it shows, and it's the beginning of Dipper and Mabel's journey about what's actually going on in this town. But going back to Dipper, he is the best little straight man character. What I like about Dipper is he is curious. He wants to know why things are happening. He wants there to be more out there. And it's really great to see that kind of curiosity in a character because, you know, kids are curious. They want to know about the world. They want to see what's out there. They want adventure. And Dipper gets to live it every single day. But he also is the voice of reasoning. So if something is not quite right, he'll look at Mabel and be like, no, guys, no, we can't do that. That's not going to work out. But at the same time, he gets in over his head sometimes, he overthinks stuff, and he can sometimes embarrass himself because he gets a little crush on Wendy, who I'll talk about in one second. And then Mabel. Mabel, I love Mabel. Oh my gosh. Mabel, I think I love Mabel so much because she was pretty much me when I was a kid. I was, I was a weird kid, and I'm still a weird kid to this day. And Mabel is a really great role model for little girls. What I like most about Mabel is she's not afraid to be herself. She's not afraid to wear these really weird sweaters with, like, llamas and, like, shooting stars on them. She's not afraid to, you know, put nachos on her ears and be like, nacho earrings! Like, and that's what girls need to see. Because, oh my gosh, my little nanny kid, she'd be like, I want to be Selena Gomez! And I'm like, you need to come over here and watch Gravity Falls and not be her. Um, because just... There's so much out there telling girls how to be and what they need to be, and Mabel's just herself. And that's what, and, and Mabel's really a lot like just normal little girls and normal kids, and I should throw out there 12, so they're on the verge of being teenagers. And it's just a good age for them to be. And I, I just, I adore Mabel so much. Um, she has these little weird funny quirks. Like, for example, she finds a grappling hook in the very first episode, and it's a nice little nod to The Legend of Zelda. I just want to throw that one out there. The, the Zelda fan in me went, Ah, grappling hook! Um, but, and you know, and she, the whole time she's just like, Grappling hook! And we'll shoot it, and it doesn't work at all ever, except for in the very end of the season finale when it's actually important. But, you know, she, and she knits. She's a knitter. She likes knitting all these sweaters. And she gets a pet pig. I mean, like, she's just not a normal little girl. But the thing is, when people look at Mabel, they're like, oh my gosh, she's so strange. But actually, that's what little girls are. You know, they, they, they want to be themselves, and they need to be themselves. And when I say uh, Mabel's not normal, she really is the norm. And too often, TV shows are trying to funnel little girls into, this is what you need to be. You need to be like... Like, Cece and whatever the other girl's name is and Step It Up. You need to be smart like Teddy and Good Luck Charlie. Like, this is what you need to be. And Mabel's just herself. And that's what little girls need to be. They just need to be themselves and not worry about what other people think of her. Because, you know, Mabel doesn't care what people think. And the few the one episode where she really got concerned about how others see her, because there was this bratty other girl in town called Pacifica Northwest, well, Pacifica embarrassed Mabel... And was like, you're so silly, you don't need to be like that, you're an embarrassment to yourself. And it really hurt Mabel, and it hurt her confidence. And so the entire time, she's like, I'm going to learn how to be serious. But really, 
in this episode, it's her silliness that makes her help Dipper save the day. Because Dipper, who was trying to be logical the entire time, would have destroyed everything and would have failed at it. But it was because Maple was silly and because Maple was being herself, they were able to save the day. And that's what I absolutely love about Mabel, is she's just a great role model for little girls. And I can relate to her, because I was the exact same way when I was her age. I was just off my rocker. Alright, so next we have Stan. Stan Pine is their great uncle. <laughs> Stan. Okay, here, here's my one swear word. So ready? Ready, parents? Put, put like, mufflers over your, your kids' ears if they're listening to this in the car with you. Ready? Stan is just an asshole. Like, he is just the biggest asshole. And he is, like, the last person on Earth shit who should ever, ever being take, like, ever take care of kids. Ever. Like, he does not need to have children in his possession. And... But that's, that's what makes Stan so great in watching his journey over the course of season one. Um, so when you first originally meet Stan, he is a swindler. He's a businessman, and he just loves ripping off people and getting people out of his mo- their money. Like, for example, there's an episode they throw a dance party at the Mystery Shack, and they the kids pay to get in. But then he says they have an exit fee as well, uh, and... So there's a moment where these two teenagers are like, The exit fee is $13! We only have 12 We're trapped! <laughs> so, like, he loves ripping people off their money. And he'll do stuff like... I think my favorite, though, and he's like, This is a magical bag! Look inside the bag! Your money goes in, but it never comes out! And people, like, throw their money into it, and they're like, That's a great investment! Like, the people in this town is really dumb. But Stan is just so great because he seems like he's just hard and tough and he is you know he's an old grumpy old man who lives by himself in the woods in the middle of nowhere and he i don't think we ever actually know why that dipper and mabel suddenly went to go stay with him for the summer huh i just realized that they just said that they went to go stay with their uncle but they never said why huh i'm making a note of that I'll, I'll have to wonder about that. Like, why Why we never knew why they did. Hmm. I might bring that up later. But Stan, um, there's something more to him. You know, you they, they introduce it right from the beginning, that he is more than just a crotchety old, money-hungry old man. There's something that's going on with him. And in the very first episode, it ends with, you know, he's like walking around his house and his wife beater and his boxers and the kids are upstairs and they've already gone to bed. And he comes downstairs and he punches in a code in his vending machine. And the vending machine opens a secret door and he goes down it and that's where it ends. And the thing about Gravity Falls is there's, there's codes and I'll talk more about these codes in cryptographs later. But, um, cryptograph cryptographs. Cryptographs. <laughs> Uh, the cryptograms later. But the thing is, at the end of the ending credits, there's always a code, and sometimes they're numbers, sometimes there's letters. I mean, you know, they're based off, like, the Caesar, um, the Caesar codes and the other codes and stuff like that that I am not smart enough to comprehend, and I liked other people translating them for me because I'm not smart enough to comprehend them all. But at the very end, uh, the first code for the very first episode is... Stan is more than he appears, or, or, or Stan is not what he seems. And and then you, you forget about it, you know? They never go back to that until the end of season one, so the whole time you're watching him being this, like, crashy old man, 
and you you always kind of forget that there's something else going on with Stan, and there's something more going down. But he's just fun. He is hilarious. Like he just doesn't care about like anybody in this town. And my favorite thing is they call him the area shyster, which is funny because shyster is a swear word in German. And if you know it, then I, I always laugh whenever they call him the area sh- shyster. Because he really is. He's he's a really big shyster. He really, really is. But Stan's just fun to watch. And he is he gives good energy to the show. Um, he's the complete opposite of Dipper and Mabel. And, and that's what I like about him. And I'll talk about their relationships in a minute. But he he's a good balance where Dipper and Mabel are like, But I'm Avengers! And he's just like, I'd rather just sit around and watch TV all day. So, yeah. And there's, then there's Seuss. Seuss is great. Seuss is the handyman that works at the Mystery Shack. And Alex Hirsch was saying that Seuss is based off, like, one of his college buddies in high school, in, um, in college. And he would, you know, it was just Seuss. And he's, he's the guy. And he seems kind of dumb. Like, like, for example, there's an episode where Dipper tricks him by distracting him with a laser pointer. And he's just like, oh, man, dude, I'm really glad I looked at that dot. That dot does not disappoint. And then he, like, starts chasing the dot. And he talks about that. He's a guy who's just like, oh, hey, dudes. And he calls everybody dudes. And he's like, bros before dinos. And he, he seems on the outside that he's really just, you know, the dumb guy characters. But he's really not. Um, what I like about Seuss is where Stan is, can be cold towards the kids. He's kind of like their mother figure. He takes them in. He takes care of them. He watches out for them. And, you know, he, he was really generally concerned about how Mabel and Dipper are doing. And he's kind of the mommy, and he takes care of them. And I like that about Seuss. He's the, I would say he's the heart, where Stan is, you know, the logical, money-grubbing person. Seuss is the heart of this little family unit. And he's a good balance to Stan, and he looks up to, even though he looks up to Stan, he works for Stan, and he wants Stan to be, you know, you know in his life. And Stan calls him a, a man-child, because Seuss really is a man-child. Seuss just has a good feeling about him. and He's, he's hilarious. And at times, I, I will admit, out of the main cast, he's probably one of my more least favorites. But he has moments where he really comes through. He messes up about 95% of the time. But when he comes through for these kids, he comes through big time. And he's just totally not phased by any of the magical, mystical things going on at all. Like... He has no problem when the Summerween trickster is coming along, grabbing the kids, throwing them in his car, and trying to escape with them because he wants to protect these children from this giant candy monster that's trying to eat them all. And I'll talk more about the Summerween trickster in a minute because he's like one of my favorite villains. So, yes, I do like Zeus, and I think there's more going on to him than what he seems. Um, I will talk in long long, 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 longness. Longness? I don't know if longness is a word. It's it's not. But I will talk a lot about Bill Cipher, who was one of the big villains of season one in, in a few minutes. But the thing about Bill Cipher is he says there's a, a Seuss is smarter than he seems, meaning there's something more going on to him. And in one of the... Uh, in the the online video game on Disney Channel called Rumble's Revenge, as you're playing through it, there's codes throughout the game, and one of the codes is where is it? I just saw it. The handyman knows more than you think, and 
once again, those codes are just kind of like, you know, telling you something that's going on, that the, there's more in this town than what you know. And so I think there's something more to Zeus. I think, I think the fact that he's completely unfazed by the magical things that go on in this town is really saying something, because he totally gets it. There's something deeper that's going on. And, and so I think we're going to see a lot more coming from Zeus in the future seasons, because there's something more to the handyman than what you think. And kind of run, uh, kind of to round out the the rest of the town because this is a town full of interesting characters. There's Wendy. Wendy Corduroy is the love interest for Dipper. She is a few years older than him. I think she is fourteen. I think she's fourteen. While Dipper's twelve, she's fourteen and fifteen. She's not that much older than her than him, but there's a good amount of age difference between Wendy and Dipper. Um, and she's she's just cool. What what I kind of like about Wendy is. There's not really a, a girly girl character in this show. Like, you know, uh, Mabel's friend Candy is kind of a, can be a bit girly because she has magazine boys. <laughs> I love that line. I have magazine boys. And Pacifica Northwest is definitely the girly girl. But what I like about Wendy is she just, she just is. She's just completely comfortable with who she is. She has no problem you know, being a tough girl, because she's the only girl in a family full of boys. Because we haven't seen her mom yet. We don't even know if there is a mom in this picture. So she's she's kind of, she's been raised around boys, and her dad is um, a ginormous lumberjack who's just, Manly, manly dad, I'm going to break everything and rip these trees in half. And Wendy just, you know, she's just a cool cat. She's very okay being who she is, and she has no problem you know, hanging out with these kids. There's a moment where um, Dipper and Mabel are have silly string, and they're using the silly string pretending to throw up on each other, and Wendy runs up and goes, Guys, guys, there's a problem! And they look at her, and she pulls out silly string and goes, Blah! And just sprays both of them. Like, she has no problem just hanging out with kids, which I like about her, because a lot of people are... I, I notice sometimes with teenagers, and, and actually with adults, too, I notice that being a nanny, I notice this sometimes with parents or with older siblings of kids where they're like, I just can't hang out with these kids. It's not cool. Or, or you know, I've, I've noticed other parents over times where they're, they don't want to play with their kids because it's not like the parent thing to do. You know, it's not the adult thing to do, I should say. And Wendy has no problem. She's just happy to be there and she's generally their friend. And what I like about Wendy is this is a very male heavy cast. And sometimes Mabel needs a girl there. Mabel's in that kind of weird area in between, you know, she's, she's starting to move into this boy phase a little bit. Actually, no, she's really moving into a boy phase. There's an entire episode about her liking boys. But she needs to go to Wendy, but the, what ends up happening is that Wendy is just like, oh yeah, I broke up with tons of boys, and starts like, na like labeling them and naming them and stuff like that. And Mabel figures things out on her own. But it's nice to have a girl character there for for Mabel to be able to go to. Because while Suze might be the mommy character, it's nice to have a girl in, in this very, very male-heavy cast. So Wendy's, yeah, she's pretty cool. She just likes Bing. And then there's Robbie. Robbie. <laughs> I always laugh at Robbie. He's, I love him so much because he's such a jerk. Robbie's the biggest jerk face. And he's... I would say he's probably one of Dipper's arch nemesis. Him and Gideon are, are two of Dipper's big, big nemesis in the show. 
and Robbie's another teenager. She's one of he's one of uh, Wendy's fa- friends. And about halfway through season one, they start dating, much to Dipper's dismay, and he's completely heartbroken. But Robbie's this little punk, punk kind of gothic kind of dressing kid. Like he has he wears tight skinny jeans. <laughs> and there's a great line where he's like, "Hey Dipper, have you seen Wendy? I want to show her, her my new skinny jeans." And he starts like lunging, and his his pants make squeaking noises. It's really hilarious, especially because I work at a Hot Topic, so I see kids like that all the time. Where they're like, "Mom, I can't get in my skinny jeans. They're too skinny." Squeak, squeak, squeak. And skinny jeans literally squeak. I'm not kidding. They do. <laughs> it's it's hilarious, but. And he's fun. He's but what I like Rob, about Robbie is he might be a jerk to Dipper and Mabel, but if you see how he interacts with other people around him, like the other teenagers, he has a good heart. You know, he actually generally cares about his friends, and he generally cares about Wendy. You know, when when Wendy and Robbie break up, he post breakup Robbie is amazing. He he literally just generally cares about getting her back because he really likes her and he wants her to be okay and he wants them to be together my fi- and there's a moment where he comes out holding a boom box and he's just like wendy come back to me my skinny arms can't hold this boom box forever and he's like chasing her down like holding this boom box above her his head but I, I do like that about robbie because and i would love to see robbie come on to being main cast the few times he's been on a, a couple adventures with him, uh, with the group, like there's the one, uh, the Street Fighters episode where Dip- Dipper accidentally summons a video game character to to fight for in his fight with Robbie. Uh, there's a moment where he's you know generally just kind of rolling with it, and he's up on the water tower with Mabel, and and I, I think he'd be a good balance in the cast. I think if we see his character grow more, he could come to like Mabel and, and Dipper and kind of become a big brother figure to them. If if we're actually given that chance, which would be interesting to see how he would grow with Dipper. And it'd be nice to see an actual mentor that's closer to Dipper's age to be kind of like that male mentor. Stan is great, but Stan's not the best mentor. He Sam's like, here, I'm going to teach you a life lesson. I'm just going to throw you in mortal danger. Where I think Robbie, once, you know, we get to know him better, could actually have a good heart to look out for these kids. Uh, There's Waddles. Waddles is Mabel's pet pig. I'm just going to throw that out there. And he's just a pig. He's an adorable pig. And he's, <laughs> he's Mabel's soulmate. And they're best friends. And Waddles is just adorable. Um, the reason I'm throwing out Waddles, though, is there's a character named Blendon Blandon, who I'm going to talk about in a minute. And Blendon Blandon calls Waddles their leader. And so there's so much, there's so many layers in the show. Is I, I always wonder, is there something more to Waddles? Should I be looking at Waddles? Should I be watching Waddles every move? I don't think so, but Waddles is just Mabel's pet pig, and he's absolutely adorbs. Um, there's Candy and Gwenda. They're Mabel's best friends. They're really, they're... The, the little weird girls group, but they have really a great moment where Candy is like, well, maybe we don't have as many friends as Pacifica, but at least we have each other, and that's good, which is, you know, great lessons that kids, you know, learn. I try to teach that all the time to my nanny kid, because she was like, I don't have a bajillion friends. These other girls have bajillion friends. I'm like, well, you like the friends that you have, right? You know, it's better to have quality friends over quantity friends, and that's a really good lesson that I, I was so happy to threw out there. 
And then there's there's just a ton of awesome people in this town. This this town is a good balance of just ridiculous people who just play off each other well. Like for example, there's t- uh, Manly Dan, who's Wendy's dad, and he is just this big lumberjack. And then there's uh, Bud Gleeful, who's the Gideon's father, and he's um, and he's just kind of a dumb kid, and Gideon uses him. And then there's Lazy Susan. She's that old crotchety lady who works at the diner. And it's just a really nice balance of crazy people in this town. Oh my god, I love the deputy and the sheriff. Oh my goodness, I love the sheriff and the deputy. Um, sheriff Blurbs, or Blubs and Deputy Durlard, Durlard, Durland, eh, I can't say their names. The sheriff and the deputy have the best, like, bro relationship ever. Um, they, but I like them a lot because of the fact that sometimes it's not manly to show feelings and affections towards other men, which, um, if you think a long time back, forever ago, when me and Chris recorded a Harry Potter episode, we had my friend Andrew Slack come on, and, and my, uh, he, and Andrew is the leader of the Harry Potter Alliance, and he's just a generally awesome person, but he's had several speeches before about how, what it is to be a man, you know, and, and what does it mean? Is like, is it, why is it considered not manly to show your feelings and to cry when it's actually a killer in men? You know, one of the highest risks of, uh, men are more at risk at, for heart attacks because they don't do stress relief. They, they don't cry, they don't show their emotions, while women who cry and show more emotion have lower risk of heart attacks than men do. And that's what I like about the sheriff and the deputy. They're not afraid to show their affection for each other. There's a moment where the deputy gets a bell, and he's just like, Woo! I got a bell! And the sheriff looks at him and goes, If being delightful was a crime, you'd be a criminal. And, like, they just have the best little relationship, and they just really generally care for each other. And I really like that, because they're not afraid to show how much, how, what good friends they are. And they're just really not good policemen. Which makes them hilarious. Like, for example, they were using the speed gun to show how fast they were eating pancakes. Just like, I'm like using the speed gun. And they completely ignore the fact that, like, this woman got their, their, her purse stolen because the deputy found a bell. And she, he was, like, so excited about the bell. But they are just, this entire town has a really great array of people. And I would really love to see some of the so let's see what happens when we start kind of diving into their lives as well and see how deep the secrets in this town goes and just see how much everybody knows. And probably the last person the last person I'm going to bring up at the moment, and the reason, and this might seem so weird, and I apologize for that, but there's a reason, I promise you, because I have a theory about this guy. And I want to talk a moment about Old Man McGucket. And <laughs> Old Man McGucket is this crazy redneck who lives in the dump and he's an inventor and he invents all these crazy robots and like for example there's the uh the gobble wonker which was this sea monster that lived in the lake and everyone was like oh my god it's the it's the gobble wonker and at first people laughed at old man mcgucket because you know no one believes in sea monsters and then the gobble the gobble wonker came along and was chasing Dipper and, and Dipper and Maple and Seuss, and they're like, "Oh my God, it's a real sea monster!" But it was actually a mechanical creature invented by Old Man McGucket. So he's way smarter than just being the old town kook. Like he's just 
he seems like he's completely crazy. And, like, for example, like, he has his hourly hootenanny where he's just like, and But there's something going on there. Because this guy just shows up everywhere. Like, he'll just suddenly be in the background everywhere. And whenever, whenever anything supernatural happens, he's there. Like, he's, he's literally there. Like, for example, when the Summer Wayne trickster was running around, he's not phased by the fact that there's this monster that suddenly just appeared in his, in his dump. And he keeps coming back. He's, he's the best at surviving everything. He gets swallowed by a baby pterodactyl and eats his way out. He just, he just knows how to get out of situations. And there's something more going on there that I will talk about in a little bit when I get to fan theories. Because I think there's more than just this old man being the old kook of the town. There's, there's something there. Something that's very strong about Gravity Falls is the relationships between the characters. They're very realistic. And it's actually, like, among the mystery and the adventure and the craziness that's happening, it's actually a great slice of life of how families work. Because families tend to be pretty dysfunctional, you know. And this is a very dysfunctional family, but they find ways to make their relationships work. Like, I love, 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 love watching Dipper and Mabel together. Because they annoy the pants off each other. They, they get on each other's nerves all the time. Their interests are usually completely different. Like, Mabel will be like, let's watch this old 80s cartoon with these hot 80s boys. And Dipper's just like, oh my god, no. Oh my god, it's back. But when, it, when push comes to shove, they really care for each other. There's several times where Dipper will step up and defend Mabel. And Mabel will support Dipper, and he'll come to her for needing advice, and, and they'll talk. And that, oh my gosh, that's what I love about the show, is they actually talk. Oh, if you listen to any of my Once Upon a Time episodes, you'll know one of my biggest pet peeves is that no one talked in freaking season two. They actually talk in the show. They talk about their feelings, and they talk about what's going on, they talk about their emotions, and they try, like... Like, for example, Mabel was really, really upset, and I keep bringing up the Cimarron Trickster episode, but it's one of my favorites, um, there, was upset because of the fact that Dipper wanted to go to a party instead of trick-or-treating with her. and Because she says, you know, like, that's why we need to go trick-or-treating, because there's not many more years where we'll trick-or-treat together. I didn't realize that it was already over. And Dipper really feels for his sister, and, and at, in the end, ends up trick-or-treating with her, and and helping her out, and he's he is very protective of her, especially when it comes to Gideon. Uh, Gideon, I'll talk about in about two point five seconds, but he's a guy who likes Mabel, and he's very protective of her. And he's just like, you know what? Let me help you with this. I'm gonna protect you from her. And then Gideon ends up being the bad guy of season one, like the big bad guy, and he creates this giant robot. And the first thing is when Gideon captures both of them, like one of them in each hands. Um, Dipper's not trying to to get out of the robot for himself. He's beating on the hand going, Let go of Mabel! You let go of her! Like, he's not even concerned about himself. He's concerned about his sister, which really says something about how deep their relationship is and how supportive they are of each other. So, and which is really great for a sibling show. A lot of times you see in shows with siblings, they're like, I hate you! I hate you more! And they're like, their whole thing is trying to one-up each other. And very rarely do Dipper and Mabel try to one-up one up each other. 
the the only exception I would be would probably be the time traveling pig episode because both of their conflicts for for one conflict to work the other one has to fail and um, because Mabel's conflict is working every time it's causing Dipper's conflict to fail and it, and he realizes that and that's the only time that they're really trying to one up each other which I really like about this show is they're just both being themselves and they annoy each other but deep down they really do love each other and then I love Stan's relationship with them Stan's journey from episode 1 to the season finale is fascinating to watch he because he is very much the opposite of these kids um, he, like when it comes to him and Mabel I love his his relationship with Mabel so much because they they have nothing in common. They're the complete opposites of each other. Mabel's weird and quirky, and Stan is grumpy and old, and just kind of wants to keep to himself and, and to steal people's money, pretty much. And he's the area shyster. But he really learns to love these kids. And like going into it very early in the season, we know he loves them and he cares about them, but he's, he's not really the best at showing it. There's uh, the episode where the uh, the Legend of the Gobble Wonker episode, when they're going fishing, like you know, it's it's like episode two or three. It's it's very early in the season. I should actually just pull up the episode list because that's what smart kids do. But it's really really early in the season, and he makes he makes hats for them. You know, he makes little fishing hats because he wants to go fishing with them, and you know, he he genuinely cares about them. And he makes them little hats, and he wants to take them fishing to hang out with them. And in the beginning, you know, he wanted to just go fishing because he didn't want to be by himself. But then what happened is, over the course of this episode, you find out, you know, he actually wants to be around them. Because he loves them. And it's a really good little intro episode. And the kids start, lear start learning about Stan, too. But what I really like about his relationship with Mabel is the fact that I don't think he gets her. Like, I, I don't think he gets her at all. But he accepts her. And he respects her. And he really looks out for her well-being. Being. Like, like for example, my favorite episode with... My favorite rela relationship episode between Stan and Mabel is the Lane of Force and Wine episode. And in that episode, what happens is uh, Stan just doesn't give a flying crap about Waddles. Like, he actually probably thinks that Waddles is good eating. Like, you know, just throw him on a plane, let's eat him and have him up. Well, this is Mabel's pet pig, and Waddles annoys him because, like, he ate. Like, he eats things, and he ate, ate uh, his cornicorn, and Stan's like, for one moment, I'm just going to throw you outside just to get you out of my house for, like, ten minutes. And the one thing Mabel said was, do not put Waddles outside because predators are going to get him. And that's what happens. A pterodactyl comes out of nowhere and steals Waddles. And Stan is just like... Oh my god, the one thing I told Mabel I wouldn't do happened. And so he at first tries to lie to Mabel, and he, you know, he's, he's perfectly okay with lying to Mabel, saying, you know, I try to fight off the pterodactyl, and I try to save Waddles, and it was so great. And so they go to get Waddles, and they go to save Waddles. And uh, Mabel finds out the truth. Uh, the Stan actually, you know, went against her wishes and put this pig outside, and he got taken. And she's just so upset with him and she's she doesn't ever want to talk to him again and she all she wants is to get waddles back and she's just so mad and disappointed with stan that he would do that well there's a moment where stan and waddles get separated and the pterodactyl's still around he's just like well 
it's you and me, pig. And he, like, throws Waddle outside. He's like, here, go get eaten so I can escape. And he kind of is staring at Waddles, and Stan realizes that he might not like this pig, but he loves Mabel's happiness, and he wants Mabel's, Mabel to be happy. And so he saves Waddles. He pull, he fights the pterodactyl and, like, literally punches it in the face just because this pig might not be important to him, but it's important to Mabel. And you see that later. Um, in the in, in uh, Gideon Rises, there's a, mo- there's a moment where uh, Gideon gets the mystery shack, which is his home. And they're sneaking back in, and, you know, Gideon has his home and has pretty much everything that Stan owns. But Stan doesn't act on that right away. It's not until they realize that Gideon has Waddles and is treating Waddles badly is when Stan acts. Because he doesn't care about his own things, but he cares about Mabel's happiness. And he knows what that pig means to her. And that's when he takes action. And that's what I love about Stan. Is that he could care less about everything else, but he loves these kids. And it's great watching the very first episode and the last episode because you see that arc of how much he's changed for them. And then when it comes to Dipper, he has a really nice, tough relationship on Dipper. Like, he makes Dipper do all the chores. And he makes Dipper do all the crappy chores. Like, fight a bat. Like, a bat gets loose in their kitchen. And he makes Dipper go take care of it. But you realize, and it's very prominent in the episode Dreamscapers, that he does this to toughen Dipper up, and he wants Dipper to be okay, and he wants Dipper to be strong and to fight back, and you see that. At the beginning, like, Dipper, you know, is not the bravest one, and he goes on his own journeys. Um, in Dipper versus Manliness, you know, he, he does everything on his own. He, he wants to be, grow and become stronger, but a lot of it is Stan's doing, too. Like, he purposely lets Dipper figure things out on his own, because he wants them to grow, he wants him to grow into be being a strong man, and you see that he fights back against Gideon, and he fights back against Bill, and he fights back, and it's all I would say it's not all Stan's doing, but a lot of it is Stan's doing, and so he he takes a very tough love approach on Dipper, and I think also a lot of it is to protect them. We know that there's something more going on with Stan. We know there's more under the layers, and that he has a secret hideout, and he has a secret room under the mystery shack where he's opening portals, spoiler alert, to season one. Um, and, and there's something more and something dangerous about Stan, and I think he's trying to toughen up Dipper because something is coming. I think something big is coming in season two, and it's very dangerous. So, yeah. That, uh, I, just, I love all their relationships and how they're portrayed in this show. Alright, let's talk about the villains, because if you know me, and you listened to my show before, I love villains. You can't have good, good guys without a good villain, and this show is full of them. And sometimes the villains are very simple. Um, In the Double Dipper episode, the antagonist for Dipper is himself. He makes a bunch of clones, and he gets in his own way. And, you know, sometimes the villains are just very simple, but sometimes... They're big, and they're bad, and they're scary. Oh my goodness. Gravity Falls has very scary villains at time. So let's go through there's this. First and foremost, there's Gideon. Gideon is the big bad guy of season one. And I, and I think he's going to come back. There's just no way that he's not going to come back at all. He's just... At the end of the, se- the season, he got 
he got uh, arrested. And I think we're going to see more of him because he vows his revenge and he's been there pretty much the entire time. And I, I would say he's main cast. He, he's very much a main cast character. Gideon's main first appearance is in The Hand That Rocks Maple. And uh, he he's in the episode before, but he's like on the back of my magazine. But this is like his first real appearance. And uh, Gravity Falls is really good about sprinkling and introducing bad guys and other characters throughout the season before their actual characters come in. It's it's really good. They're very smart about doing that. Um, but in that episode, he likes Mabel, and he gets a crush on Mabel, and he keeps pressuring her into a relationship because he's a local celebrity. He's like, I have the power to pressure Mabel into doing whatever I want, and she'll love me, and she'll be my little Mabel lover. Now, imagine I just said all that with a very thick southern accent because... Gideon, Gideon has a really thick Southern Belle kind of accent, but and, and, and but she turns him down, and he, after that he swears revenge to get Mabel back because what happens is is and which is why this is such a great Mabel episode. Mabel asks Dipper to break up with Gideon for her, and she later later realizes you know that's not the right thing to do, and she has to do, go do it herself. But Gideon then thinks that Dipper is the one trying to break up Mabel and himself, and that. He that Dipper is his true bad guy and, and is really this terrible person. He swears revenge on Dipper, and what happens as the course of the ep- the show goes, it's just not Dipper that he wants revenge on. He has a background with Stan, and they've been rivals for years. And we don't actually know why Dipper, why uh, Gideon and Stan are rivals, and why they've been going after each other for years. But there's. You, what you find out about Dipper, uh, Gideon, is he has book two. Where where Dipper has the book with the number three on it, Gideon has book two. And their journals are interesting because I, I think they're all written by the same person. But we actually don't know. We don't know who wrote these books. We don't know if they're written by multiple people or why they're written by multiple people. But, for example, they have different takes on certain things like when they when both journals talk about Bill Cipher um one book talks about how to summon Bill and the other book talks about how to destroy Bill and so that's why I wonder why 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 each book varies and who writes them but in the same way as Dipper uses his book to help save situations Gideon uses his book to be a bad guy. Like, there's a magical amulet that he has, and it's the source of his quote-unquote psychic powers, and he has telekinesis with this amulet. 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 Haha, I can't talk today. Um, but, and and he got it through his book, and he found it and learned how to use his power through his book. And Gideon, I think... I think he wants ultimate power in the end because we know that he wants Mabel back and we know he wants to destroy Stan. But also, over the course of the show, he wants the mystery shack. He, he realizes that he wants the mystery shack and he realizes in his book that the hiding place for book number one is somewhere on the property of the mystery shack. So it becomes more than just getting Mabel back and it becomes more than just being Stan. Now he wants the mystery shack and he wants revenge on the entire Pines family. And... We know that he wants ultimate power, but Gideon, I, hmm, I, I kind of want to know his background, because Stan says he's been my rival ever since he's come to Gravity Falls, and with meaning, you know, they're not originally from Gravity Falls. I want to know how Gideon got his book. I want to know where they originally came from, and I also want to know 
of why he wants power. Like, it could just be he just wants power to have power. You know, people like having power and like being strong. Maybe he just wants power to have it. So I, I would love to see a little bit more background on Gideon. But he's, he's a pretty good bad guy, you know. He's, he seems... What I, what I, and this is something I like about this show is they don't always seem as scary as they really are. You know, there are times where Gideon just shows up in episodes, like like during the the, uh, the uh, irrational treasure episode. Um, he doesn't really do any bad guy stuff. You know, he's not trying to steal the mystery shack or anything. Stan gets caught in the stockades, and he's in these stockades because he pissed off everybody on Pioneer Day. And Gideon's just walking by, and he's just like, Oh, Stanford, I'm just a humble tomato farmer. Oops, I dropped my tomato. And he throws a tomato at Stan. Like, you know, he's not doing any evil bad guy stuff. And then and then the mermaid episode, all he's doing is fighting Stan over the perfect lawn chair at the pool. I mean, but then there's other times where he's literally putting their lives in danger. He's trying to kidnap Mabel and, and have her as his queen. And he's building giant robots to... To pretty much destroy the world and to take over Gravity Falls. I mean, so he's he can be pretty deceptive at times, and he's really good at tricking the townspeople because he's adorable and he's charismatic in a way that he's good at tricking people. Except for people who have logic, which pretty much in this town is Stan, Mabel, and Dipper. Pretty much the only people have logic. And Wendy, Wendy doesn't like him either. And Seuss, Seuss doesn't like him. It's kind of funny that Seuss is. Who loves everybody dislikes Gideon. So yeah, he's a really good villain. Um, I just really want to learn more about him. Uh, and then the new, the uh, next bad guy I'm going to talk about is the Summerwind trickster. I brought him up a few times, and he was my favorite bad guy until Bill came along. But I just want to throw out the Summerwind trickster. He's not a big bad guy. No, he's not like Bill. He's not like Gideon. He's not in the entire season. He's a one-episode villain. But he's scary. Like, this... He's a good example of how scary these villains can be in this show. Yeah, you might have cute little gnomes that are funny, and you might have Gideon, who's, you know, just like, oh, Stanford! But the Summerwind trickster is just generally scary. He's designed after No-Face uh, from Spirited Away. If you're familiar with that, uh, how Miyazaki's work, he's designed after that. And he turns into No-Face. And what the Summerwind trickster is, is he's made up of all... And let me explain. Summerwind, because I, um, in case you don't know, Summerwind is... Um, people in Gravity Falls like Halloween so much, they celebrate it twice. And so it's Halloween in the middle of the summer. And they have, uh, since they don't have pumpkins yet, they have jack-o'-melons. Or it's a watermelon with a little candle inside that's carved out like a jack-o'-lantern, but it's a jack-o'-melon. Um, so it's pretty much Halloween just in the summertime. And um, the trickster is made up of all the loser candy that nobody wants. And it's taken it on its own form, and it's taken on its own shape. And what... What these, what Dipper and Mabel, and then Candy and Grinda, who are Mabel's friends, what they have to do is Dipper makes the submarine trickster mad because he wants to be a cool teenager and go to the party with Wendy, and he doesn't want to do stupid trick or treating, and he makes him mad. Um, he throws out the loser candy, and the trickster comes along and is just like, "You have to trick or treat or die." And literally, like, unlike other situations when it comes to, like, gnomes and, like, the mermaid, the merman and stuff like that, with other bad guys, well, the merman's not a bad guy, but anyway, 
Um, there's not a lot of times in the show where the consequence for Deep Dipper and Mabel is death. There's very few times where it's actually death. Um, and so that's what makes this so scary, is they have to trick-or-treat, or the sky will literally eat them. And he turns into, like, this big spider-like monster, like No-Face does in Spirited Away, and he's just scary. He He's creepy. He'll come out of the shadows, and he crawls like a spider up walls. And he's just so creepy. Ah, I love that episode so much. Um, so that, that's why I like the submarine tw- trickster. He is probably one of the more creepier bad guys, and he has one of the more higher consequence bad guys. Um, and it's just a good Seuss episode, too. Seuss comes along, comes along and helps him out. It's it's just a great episode. I really, really love the Summer Wayne episode. Alright. Now we're gonna talk. I gotta take a moment to pull up all my notes on this, because there are so, so many notes about Bill. Bill is my favorite villain of Gravity Falls. Like, I... I Oh, oh, oh. To talk about my favorite villain of Gravity Falls, it's <laughs> it's so complex. Just so you know how complex this villain is, and how how many layers. It's the perfect example of how many layers comes in this freaking TV show. It's a kids show. Oh, and there's so much going on with this guy. Uh, I have six pages, like six different tabs about. Like, five, like, different things about, like, why this character and about him and stuff like that. Like, that's how many notes there are. So, I'm going to talk about Bill Cipher. Bill Cipher is based on the Eye of Providence. It's most commonly seen on the back of the $1 bill. Uh, get it, Bill? <laughs> and just to describe what he looks like, he's a triangle with a top hat, a bow tie, and little arms and legs. And first to explain why I like Bill is because of the fact that he is deceptive. The moment he comes out in the episode Dreamscapers, I wanted to like him because he just comes out and he's just like, oh, I got my dapper little top hat and I got a bow tie. And he's just like, hey, Gravity Falls, it's been a while since I've been back here. It's really great to be back here. All right, guys. It just seems like he's going to be a fun, energetic villain. And then he rips the teeth out of a deer and gives them to Gideon as a present. And I'm just like, oh my god! <laughs> this is a kid show and he just ripped the teeth out of that deer's mouth. And I just have to say, the poor deer of Gravity Falls, they just get so much abuse. And I'm not saying like general abuse, like, you know, it's not, don't call, don't go call like animal control or anything. It's just, you know, like a Minotaur would pick up the deer and like scratch themselves with it and like let the deer go away. Like, you know, and then Bill puts the teeth back in the deer, but it's so creepy. Bill just is, is so deceptive. Like, you want to like him at first, and then he's creepy, and he's scary, and he rips, de- de- like, deer teeth, like, out of a deer, and gives them to Gideon as a present. Like, Mazel Tov, here's some deer teeth. Ah! And there's so much going on with this character. Okay, so the reason why Bill is great. It's because he's been there the entire time. And this is why Alex Hirsch is so smart. Oh, God. I could talk for hours about Bill. He's so smart. They set up Bill from episode one. He's in episode one. He's in the theme song. He's in the title screens. He's in the video games, the online video games. Like, oh, my gosh. So let's talk about this. 
So the first time, like the first evidence of Bill at all, is in the opening theme. What happens in the opening theme is you see his image from Dipper's book two. He's in the top left. Uh, he's in the top left of one of the pages when Dipper is scrolling his finger. And then after you see Gravity Falls, for like a half a second, it flashes Bill. Go watch the theme song. Like, go on YouTube and watch it now. You'll see it. At the very end, there's a half a second where it flashes Bill inside his summoning wheel. 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 I can't say. I can't say it. Bill and Will. Um, and, and it's Bill. And there's this wheel with ten symbols around him. And I'll get to the symbols in a minute of what they mean. So, he's as early as in episode one. And what's smart about the Bill is... You go and you watch Dreamscapers, and at the end, he's, uh, he, in, in the episode, he says, um, Oh, Gravity Falls, it's great to be back. I've been watching you. And it's true. If you go back and watch all the episodes leading up to Dreamscapers, uh, uh, Dreamscapers, am I saying that right? Dreamscapers? Uh, scaperers. Uh, Dreamscapers. Anyway, the Bill episode. He, Bill is literally in every single episode of Gravity Falls. And he has been there since the beginning. And it's one of those things where you're just like, oh my god, he really has been watching them. He's been there the entire time. And we had hints of Bill's coming. If you played the online game Rumble's Revenge, um, as you're playing through this game, and the whole game's about uh, Rumble McSkirmish, who was in the... Um, who was in the... What episode is The Street Fighter episode... Rumble wants revenge on Dipper. And as you're playing through this, it reveals these codes. And uh, these codes are, I'm just going to read straight, straight, straight through them. I want you to come and it says, I bet you're wondering who I am. I don't give up answers easy. I know things, fascinating things. Your reality is a game to me, and I like games. Mistress, mischief is my middle name, but not my first. There are six hints I will give you. There's a secret society in Gravity Falls. The handyman knows more than you think. Gideon has been searching for something. What goes up is sure to come down. Dipper is playing with fire. I will be returning to Gravity Falls. And the thing is, in all these curse and in all these codes, there's one capital letter in the entire thing. And when you spell out these capital letters, it says, "My name is Bill." So we've had hints of Bill's coming for a while now. And he's just... What's interesting about Bill... There's so many interesting about Bills. What am I saying? The one thing. There's so many interesting about Bills. And how he's presented to different characters is what makes him a little bit deeper. Like, let's talk about uh, uh, Gideon's book, and then I'll talk about Dipper's book. So when it comes to Gideon's book, all it says... it, It has how to summon Bill. And it has a take on, you know, like, this is how you summon Bill, this is how you use him. And I mentioned that before. And Gideon, Bill's entry in Gideon's book is, This odd triangle being has appeared in my dreams every night for weeks. And also in uh, Gideon's book, it has a note pointing to his symbol wheel, which I'll talk about in a second. And it says, Ten symbols! And all over to the page, it says, He's in my wallet, which is a reference to Bill being on the back of the one dollar bill. Alright, so that's Gideon's book. But, let's talk about Dipper's book and Bill's entries in that. What fascinates me about Dipper's book is that whoever is talking about him changed their mind. 
you know, whoever wrote this book has encountered Bill. And in, at the beginning, they write that he's friendly and he's trustworthy. And then they change it saying, no, he's the most dangerous. So I'm going to read straight from it. So there's symbols. Uh, uh, you'll, you'll see another cipher, and it's another cipher cryptogram. And it says that Bill is a liar, a monster, and a snappy dresser, <laughs> which I find funny. Because he is. He's a dapper little triangle. Um, but then, on the left page, or no, uh, one page, it says, Bill has proven himself to be the friendliest, most trustworthy individual that I've ever encountered in my life. What a guy. I honestly, blank, trust him more. Not evil, blank, away. Bill is a true gentleman. But there's a part that it's crossed out, and it says that he can't trust him. He can't be trusted. On the right page, though, it changes and it says, Beware Bill, the most powerful and dangerous creature I've ever encountered. Where, where, Whatever you do, never let him into your mind. If it's po It is possible to follow the demon into a person's mind to prevent chaos. Do not summon at all cost. And then it has um, how to summon Bill. So what's interesting about Bill is, is that he's good at tricking people, and I think... And he's been there before. We know Bill has been there before. He says, Gravity Falls, it's good to be back. And I think he has a path with Stan. There's a moment, let me pull this up. Oh, I told you, I have six pages of notes just on Bill. Uh, there's a moment where he's thinking about Stan. And there's a symbol that appears when he realizes who Stan. Because the thing is, when you have Bill, when he's thinking, he can change the image of his pyramid like a TV screen. And a symbol appears. Well, what it is, is that symbol is the tattoo that's on Stan's shoulder. And so there's a past there. And when you get down into Stan's secret lab at the, in the very end of season one, uh, the symbol appears on the side of one of the machines when it has power. So there's something going on that's deeper. And, and, and Bill knows who Stan is. Bill has also become a subject of clues, I think, for season two. There's a website called searchfortheblindeye.com, and it's one of the final uh, ciphers that we got at the end of season one, which was Search for the Blind Eye. Well, it, it turns out that it's uh, a website called searchfortheblindeye.com, and it's a, it's, it was launched on August 1st. It's, it's based off all the ciphers and the cryptograms that we get. And the thing about this website is, it just seems like a general, you have to stare at it for a while, because it has an animated gif of Bill, and it has the theme song playing in the background, but, and all it has is the numbers 921, 4922, 19, 6, 18, 15, 6, 5, 4. And what happens when you click the cipher, it decodes the message August 1st. Or, uh, not August 1st, uh, October 1st, which I'm assuming is probably the season 2 date, but we don't actually know. So we don't know what's going on October 1st. But the thing is, is that, you know, you're staring at this and you're going, what's going on? Well, what you do is if you go to the HTML source code, it brings up a picture of Bill in code. And in these codes, it changes every day. It, like, every day there's a new code and a new message. And that's why this is so smart. This is the smartest TV show ever. And it brings up messages like, 
I'm watching you, he's li- he's watching me, liar, monster, trust no one, sort of okay dresser, eyes are all around me, yet none can see the truth, a darkness approaches, a day when everything will change, are you ready, composition, pulverizer, digestion, fusion, um, dreams, which are uh, alchemist symbols that are the codes to get in, those, uh, composition, pulverize, digestion, and fusion are the four alchemist codes to get into Stan's secret laboratory. Um, some of the other codes are Sol, Luna, Stella, Fatum, which are Latin for Sun, Moon, Star, and Fate. Uh, in the very center of that, of August 14th, it said what, which is the four letters that's seen on top of the Mystery Shack's wind vane, but it's also north, south, east, and west. Um, and so what's great about this website, uh, Search for the Blind Eye, is I think it's giving us codes of what's to come in Season 2. Um, the, the latest one, which was at the time I'm recording this, was uh, August 15th episodes. Um, it's questions, answers, and distracting objects. That's the latest code as of right now when I'm recording this. And I think it's giving us codes to season two. So we have to keep an eye out for Bill Cipher. Ah, God, I just, I feel like there's so much more I could talk about him. And I'm just rambling on about what's so great about him. But he's my favorite villain of this show. And I think he's gonna he's gonna come back. We know he is. He he says, "I'll be watching you. I'll keep watching you." And he's gonna return to Gravity Falls. He's been there. And I think we're gonna see how he ties in more and more. Where I think where Gideon was the big season one bad guy, I think Bill's gonna be the big season two bad guy. And I would love to see his return. All right, I'll stop talking about Bill because I'm gonna talk about him later in fan theories and blah blah blah. To move away from characters, I'm I'm gonna just talk a little bit about some of my favorite episodes. Um, I, I think there uh, there's some really strong episodes of season one that just completely stand out. Um, you can't beat the season finale. Dreamscapers and um, Gideon Rise- Rises are just both so good. I think I think Dreamscapers uh, Scapers is my favorite uh, out of the season finale of the two, and that's only just because I, I I just talked 20 minutes about how much I love Bill and why he's such a great villain and why he's so scary. Um, and, and there's just so many layers of what's going on with there. But what makes Gideon Rise Rises such a good episode is, narratively speaking, it's a good tie-in to sum up a lot of things that have been building throughout the course of the season. Like, we finally see Gideon trying to get his revenge. We see uh, who has book one, because Dipper has three, Gideon has two. Stan has book one. And he knows what these books are. And he's, where I was saying earlier, where Stan is scary and can be dangerous and there's more to to him than what appears to be, we see now there is. And we're not counting the last two minutes. The last two minutes is where this episode completely shines. But in Gideon Rises, you know, you get the tie-up of the Gideon storyline. Everybody realizes that Gideon is a bad guy. Dipper and Mabel win. And it's a, there's a lot of good things working in that episode. Um, there's really good relationships between us, Stan, to the kids. There's really good relationships working between Dipper and Mabel. You get to see some one-on-one time with Seuss and Stan. And so relationship-wise, it's a really good episode. And there's a lot of things that come back, like Robbie and being in post-breakup mode. And you get to see how Wendy cares for the kids and cares for the mystery shack. You know, she she's not the best worker, and she seems to hate her job, but really at the end, she doesn't want to leave the Mystery Shack, because if she does, she'll have to go north and work for her dad and stuff, and she doesn't want that. So there's a lot of good character moments working in and out of this episode. 
but oh my goodness. It, if it wasn't for that last two minutes, you would just think this would be another normal episode of Gravity Falls. But in those last two minutes, what happens is Stan gets Dipper's book, and he goes downstairs to his secret lab, and we finally get to see what his secret lab looks like. And that he has all three books now, because what happens is when Gideon's arrested, Bill, sh uh, uh, not Bill, Stan shakes him out and gets his, the deed back to the mystery shack, and he also gets book two. And he lines them all up because there's a map. When you put all three books together, there's a map of how to open this portal. And Stan puts in the code and starts the power up. And he says, oh, it's working. And he runs into the room. And this portal, this upside down triangle portal, it could be another reference back to Bill. This upside down tri triangle portal is opening. And it ends with, with Stan going, here we go. And that's how season two ends, is with no answers. <laughs> well, you find out there's something more to stand going on, that he has this portal, this secret lab portal. We get to see it, and it's, it was so good. And it left me reeling, going, oh, my God, what's going to happen in season two? Like, I, I, at the end, I was just shaking. Uh, and the music was so good. Alex Hirsch and Disney Channel, if you hear this, Please release a soundtrack. The music to the show is so good, especially in that final scene. I want a soundtrack to Gravity Falls so bad. Please, please, please. Just throwing that out there. Anyway, so, yes, the season finale, the two episodes were strong. And they didn't do what normal season finale is what I, what I thought was going to happen. Like, they introduced Bill in the part one, and I thought the entirety of the second episode was, oh my god, we have to destroy this dream demon. And no, it was it was about Gideon. It was I, I now I would like to know what deal um how how because cause in the first one Gideon and Bill make a deal and Gideon's gonna reward Bill and we never find out how he's gonna reward Bill. So how is this tiny little kid gonna reward a dream demon? And so I I would have loved to see that play out better, but he I, I like that it didn't go in that direction where. It kind of took me off guard. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, I, I love the season finale, the two episodes. Um, I love the time-traveling pig episode. It, it has a special place in my heart because it was my very first episode of Gravity Falls. It was the first one my friend sat down and was like, we need to watch this show. and You're, you're going to watch Gravity Falls. And it was the time-traveling pig episode. And as you guys know, I'm a big Whovian. You, you can see my work on Who True Freaks, which is our one of our sister shows with the Two True Freaks podcast. So make sure you go check it out. Um, and I, I love Doctor Who, and it's just a fun episode. It's it's one of those episodes where you know um, it's a good Dipper Maple episode, and Dipper sacrifices a lot for his sister, and it's it's just fun to see bad guys like Blend and Blandon. Oh sh snap! I was going to talk about talk about Blend and Blandon. Hmm. Um, just to throw out who he is, because I'll come back to him when I talk about fan theories. Blendon Blandon is a time traveler from the world, uh, from the time, I think it's like 2072012. -se There's like a little nina sound of the seven, it's like 2072012. -se and he's a time traveler, and uh, Dipper and Mabel steal his little time traveling device, which is a little tape measure, and you pull it out to how many minutes, hours, or days that you want to do, and then you hit pass or forward. Which is actually a really simple time traveling device. I actually really enjoy that. It was so simple, unlike the TARDIS, which is like the TARDIS. 
Um, and it's just a generally good episode. There's a lot that happens. And it builds on what Alex Hirsch, Alex Hirsch was saying for... Uh, I hope I'm not mispronouncing his name. It builds on what he was saying in the Nerdist podcast. When, uh, what they're trying to do is when something happens in an episode, it's going to happen in the rest of the, the series. So Mabel gets a pig, and she has a pig for the rest of the show. Wendy and Robbie start dating. Its, it's consequences carry on for several episodes until they break up. Um, and, and it happens. And that's what I like about it. It's one of those episodes where it really was building on itself and a lot was happening. Um, but I, it also set up a lot of things... Like, like Bill, Blendon Blandon shows up in episodes. When you go, when you look at Blendon Blandon, if you go back and watch, like, the second episode with the Gobble Wonker, and the first episode with the gnomes, he's in the background. He's in the background doing stuff. And then in, in uh, Gideon Rises, the last episode, he's there watching Gideon's demise with, uh, in the background. Like, and that's what's great about the show, is that they really have thought about these villains and how they're going to relate to everything as a whole. Such a good episode. I like. I love the time traveling pig episode. Um, I think Land Before Swine is the best Stan episode. I think the Hand That Rocks Mabel is the best Mabel episode, and I think Double Dipper and Gideon Rises, for two different reasons, are the best Dipper episodes. So let me chat about this for a sec. I won't talk too much about Land Before Swine because I've already talked about why it's such a good Stan episode. But I like Land Before Swine because you really see Stan and how he feels about these kids and. I talked about that already, um, but it's it's my favorite Stan episode. I think the hand that rocks Mabel is great because we get to see Mabel take on things on her own and grow by herself. Um, she realizes that she has to face her problems on her own. She can't let other people like Dipper take on her problems for her. And she grows up a lot in that episode, I think. Um, she... She's still in that kind of... And it's a good episode about how girls shouldn't let boys pressure them. Oh, my goodness. When uh, when I was a nanny, my nanny kid was like, Oh, I need a boyfriend. I need a boyfriend. You know, I can't be anything without a boyfriend. If I, if I, I can't be friends with boys because, you know, then people's going to think I have a boyfriend. And I was like, you can be friends with boys. There's nothing wrong with that. And so she, and then there was one day my nanny kid came in and was like, this boy wants me to be, wants me to be his girlfriend because he says that we can't be friends unless he's my girl, unless I'm his girlfriend. And I was like, girl, you need to sit down and listen to this right now. Don't let a boy ever tell you what to do because that's not how things work. And that's what I like about the Hand That Rocks Maple episode because pretty much what happened to my nanny kid happens to Mabel. Because Gideon's trying to pressure Mabel into being his girlfriend. And his, like, little perfect queen. And Mabel doesn't want that. And there's one of the best lines is where Gideon's like, I want to take you out on a date. And Mabel's like, a friend date? No. A play date? No. Okay. Uh. <laughs> and she really struggles with this. And she figures things out on her own. I, th- I think it's such a good episode about how you shouldn't be pressured into doing things on your own. And, and you have to be honest with people. If Mabel was just honest from the beginning with Gideon, we wouldn't have Grady Falls. <laughs> we wouldn't have him as a... Well, actually, I think we probably would have him as a bad guy for the entirety because he's a spoiled little snot. But um, it's it's a good setup of why Mabel should should have been honest in the beginning and how you should always be honest with people and tell them how you feel from the get-go. Um and but yeah, we would have Gravity Falls if that didn't happen. Um, there's a lot of things I like about the Double Dipper episode, and 
it, it has probably one of my absolute favorite moments of Gravity Falls in it. And I don't, I don't know, actually, I don't know if this is what they were going for, but it's how I took it. Um, I, I've worked a lot with special needs, special needs kids, and uh, my nanny kids were special needs, so I, I had to kind of do things a little bit differently than how I would, uh, would say, like, my nieces or my nephew, who are not special needs. But what I like about the Double Dipper episode um, is, and I'll get to why it's the best Dipper episode in a minute, there's a moment where, the, the whole point of Dubber, Double Dipper, let me actually explain the plot in case you don't know. Uh, the whole point of Double Dipper is Mabel and Dipper discover this, this copy machine that's in Stan's office, and it can copy people and make clones of people. And what happens is Dipper is trying to figure out a way to dance with Wendy at this dance, but he's already told Stan that he's going to watch the ticket booth. And so he starts making clones of himself, where and they're like paper clones, and they come to life. They're like legit clones. And, um, and they start making up all these crazy plans. But there's a moment where they're making uh, a, a, a clone, and they have a paper jam. And so when they pull out the paper jam, and it's all crinkled up, it makes paper jam dipper. And the thing about paper jam dipper, it can't really communicate, and all it does is go, nyah, 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 nyah. Like, that's, that's, all, that's the only way it can communicate. Well, Tyrone, who was the very first clone Dipper made, um, he has a little two on his hat, and Tyrone uh, is named Tyrone because that's the name that Dipper has always wanted to be called. So all the other clones have their numbers, but Tyrone is Tyrone. What really got to me about Tyrone, and why I really appreciated this episode, is the way Tyrone treats Paper Jam Dipper is how you should always treat somebody with special needs. It, it's so telling, and it's so subtle. That's what I like about it. And, and like I said, maybe I was the only person who took it this way, but it's it's how you should treat people with special needs. Because everyone's, there's a moment where Dipper number three was like, I don't want to be put with him. And Tyrone looks right at him, and he was like, don't talk about him like that. Like, he got upset. He always got upset when people try to treat Paper Jam Dipper differently. And he was just like, hey, buddy, hey, hey, it's okay. You know, you, you can work with us. And, and, like, he treated Paper Jam Dipper just how he would treat any other of the other clones. And he respected Paper Jam Dipper, and he wanted him to be a part of the group. And he defended him when anybody else tried to put him down. And it was so telling, because that's exactly how you should treat people with special needs. Um... I saw people bully my nanny kid because she was special needs, and it made me so upset because she all she wanted to do was be treated just like everybody else. And we see that Paper Jam Dipper was well aware of his surrounding. There's a moment where he, uh, where all the clones are being dissolved, and it's the only time you get to see in subtitles what Paper Jam Dipper is thinking. And he says, "This is an ending that's well, that's better off for be- Paper Jam Dipper." Meaning that he was fully aware of what's going on around him. And it was such a beautiful moment. It was so subtle in a kid's show. But it's, it's one of the reasons why I love the Paper Jam... Uh, I love the Double Dipper episode. It's just the treatment of Paper Jam Dipper. And it's, it's one of my... It is, it is my favorite moment of Gravity Falls. It was, it was such a good, strong, narrative character moment. But anyway, the reason why it's the best Dipper episode, in my eyes, is... I think Dipper learned the most about himself in that episode. He learned how to treat himself. He he saw himself for the first time because that's that's a problem 
you know, we're our, we are our, I cannot ever say that. You guys know I cannot say ours and ours together. We are our worst enemies. We are the, our worst critics, and we also have the most trouble seeing our own problems. Well, Dipper made clones. <laughs> he can physically see what's wrong with himself. And there's a moment where he's just looking at his clones going, Oh my god, is that how I really am? Is, am I really that crazy? Oh my god, I, I don't want to be like that. And he changes, and he changes for Wendy, and he realizes that if he stops overthinking things and he just bees himself around Wendy, she likes him anyway. You know, she wants to hang out with him. She wants him to come and chill with her and Robbie on the couch. She wants him to be in his life. And that's what I like about that episode, is Dipper gets to see himself and see his flaws, and then works on changing them, which I thought was so telling. And then in Gideon Rises, he just grows up. Like That's the other best Dipper episode, because he really grows up, and he learns how to be a hero on his own, and he fights back. What Stan wanted him to do the entire season, he fights back, and he does, and he wins, and he takes on Gideon and beats him. Such a good episode. We're going into the last part of Gravity Falls, and now I'm getting into fan theories, because there's a lot of them, and I have my own personal fan theories. And I'm going to back them up. So, let's talk about a few things. First and foremost, I'm going to talk about Bill's wheel. I need to make a note. I'm going to put Bill's wheel, in my, if I can, in my, in my show notes. So let's talk about Bill's wheel. And my fan theories about it. Some of them are very simple. And why I think Bill is going to come back. And why I think other characters are going to have more importance. There are ten symbols on this wheel. There's a question mark, a bag of ice, the little claw moon fish thing that's on Stan's fez, a pine tree, a star with an eye in the center, the hand that's on all three books, a llama, a shooting star, a heart, and I think I said a pair of glasses. But anyway, a pair of glasses. <sighs> so we know from the episode Dreamscapers that there is some that uh, each of these symbols stand from a person. When Bill meets Seuss, Dipper, and Mabel, he goes, Ah, pine tree, shooting star, question mark. And he names them, all three of them off, as a, as a moment, as a symbol on his wheel. There's a question mark, who is Seuss? A pine tree, which is Dipper, and Dipper has a pine tree on his hat. And then shooting star, which is Mabel. And that could go for a few things. Mabel, in the very first episode, has a shooting star sweater. And then she also has a shooting star on her on a poster on the wall of her bedroom. So we know there's three of those. Now some of the other ones um, are, we haven't been confirmed, but there's a broken heart with stitches through it, and it's the exact same broken heart and stitches that's on Robbie's sweater, which I think means, to me, I think Robbie's going to come back and become more, like I said earlier, I want him to be main cast, and I think he's going to come back and have interactions with Bill. Then there's the symbol that's on Stan's fez, so we can assume that symbol's uh, Stan. There's a star with an eye in the center, which is Gideon, because that star with the eye in the, the middle is uh, the symbol for Gideon's tend-up telepathy, because he claims to be a child psychic, and that's the symbol for his business. The hand is for the books, but I don't know if that's actually for a specific person. It could stand for the person who wrote the books. Now then, there's a few that I'm just completely up in the air about. The ones that I'm unsure about is the bag of ice, the llama, and the pair of glasses. Is that all three of them? Yes. Alright, so, 
I think the bag of ice is Wendy. The reason I say that is because we already have Robbie on the wheel, and Wendy's the only other person on a man cast that hasn't been represented yet in this wheel. But the thing is, in a lot of the major Wendy episodes, or the major Wendy moments, there's ice. There's bags of ice. There's the, um, the inconven- There's an episode called The Inconvincing, and it's a big Wendy episode where Dipper is trying to impress Wendy and trying to do things around Wendy, and there's a moment where he has to go get a bag of ice, and, um, because all the teenagers are playing with ice and blah blah blah, I'm pointing it down each other's pants. And there's, so there's ice in that episode. In the Time Traveling Pig episode, which is another big Wendy episode, uh, Dipper tries to go get ice for Wendy, and he ends up failing when she goes off with Robbie. And that's one of those things that's the consequence. So I'm thinking that Ice is Wendy. And she also just has a really cool cat personality, you know? She's not she's not a heated character. She doesn't really fight. There's very few times where she actually gets very upset. And she's just like, ah! Like, there's it's very, it doesn't happen very often. She's a very cool, laid-back character. And then, I have no idea what the llama is. I've, I've, I've stared at this llama. I've looked at all the characters. I have no idea who the llama on Bill's wheel could be. But the big one that I keep going back to, and my big fan theory, is there's a pair of glasses. And I think that is Stan's brother. The reason I do not think it is Stan is for several reasons. For one, Stan's already on the wheel. His, the symbol that's on his fez is on the wheel. Stan's brother. Number two. Stan doesn't have the exact same, uh, doesn't have the exact same glasses. If you look at uh, Stan's glasses, uh, they're square. The glasses on Bill, Bill's wheel is rounded. There's a few scenes, um, and, and, and besides, he's their great uncle, meaning that he has another sibling. You know, there's somebody else that's in this this uh, sibling, and I think it's I think Stan has a twin, because what happens there's an in the time traveling pig episode. There's times where uh, Mabel and Dipper are time hopping. And there's one moment where this guy opens the door and looks out the door hearing a noise. And it looks like Stan. But the thing is, he's wearing the rounded glasses. And a lot of people's like, oh, that could be young Stan. Well, there's an episode called Carpet Diem where they find a hidden room that Stan hasn't been in for 40 years. And when he walks into that room, the glasses are sitting on a pedestal. The ones that the guy who opened the door, they're sitting on a pedestal, a stool, and the calendar above it, I think, says 1982, I think it is. And automatically, what Stan does is he picks up the glasses and he pockets them to hide them. So I, I think that Stan has a lost brother. Going back to Stan's uh, little portal that he opens at the end of Gideon Rises, um, if you look at some of the things going on, if, there's a pile of notes as he's opening portal, and it's a wormhole. Guys, it's a freaking wormhole. It's the exact same design of a wormhole, meaning I'll, there's a lot of things it can mean. <laughs> I can't pick one thing. But some of my theories is either A, Stan's twin got lost in the wormhole, and that's why Stan has been trying to get this portal to work and has been trying to find the books. Because either that his twin is through this wormhole and he wants to get him back. Number two is that Stan's brother could be the original writer of the books while Stan is the one that's trying, might have helped him with it. Um, and it could do a lot with Bill. Uh, the person who liked Bill originally 
who wrote about Bill originally liked Bill. And he said that he was a gentleman. He was a great guy. And then uh, went back and wrote, do not trust Bill. You know, he's evil. I'm wondering if Stan's brother originally was the one that liked Bill, but was lost through this portal or this wormhole. And Stan is the one that was like, you don't need to trust Bill. He's dangerous. And he has, he has had relationships with him before. We know this. We see Bill know who Stan is. Ugh. There's so many things going on in Gravity Falls. <laughs> oh, there's also the point where Stan is open uh, the portal. Right before he opens the portal, he lays out the three books, and he says, we got them all. As in plural, as in more than just him. We got them all. So there's someone else that who knows who this book is and, and stuff. The other reason why I think that Stan has a twin is in Strange Skippers, we see what young Stan looks like. We see that he still has the square glasses, and it's the same square glasses that he still wears now. And there's a moment where his his father is takes him to a boxing, uh, uh, takes him to like a little gym, and is teaching Stan how to box. And in the background, a lot of people have pointed this out about this guy being potentially his brother. In the background, if you look in the fans, there's a guy reading a book. And he's dressed in the same clothes as Stan, and he has the same hair as Stan, but you can't see his face because it's covered by the book. And a lot of fans think that that might be Stan's brother. Because if you look at Mabel and Dipper, you know, twins tend to be, can, can be different, very different. And a lot of people think that might be Stan's brother, and he's, you know, reading and not really caring about what's going on and stuff like that. But, I don't know. I think, I think Stan has a brother. Because someone has to you know, be the great-grandfather, uh, or be the uh, grandfather of Dipper and Mabel. Also, uh, my last point about why, uh, why I think Stan has a twin is twins genetic. Being a twin is a genetic thing. Um, my sister's ex-husband was a twin, and so when uh, my sister was pregnant with my niece and my nephew, we were actually testing them for the potential of them, of them having twins. It's, it's a genetic thing. And so if Dipper and Mabel are twins, there's a good chance that their grunkle could have a twin too because it is passed down that way. Alright, my next fan theory. I have to wonder about Dipper and Mabel's parents and who they are and why they're there and why they're not there and why they sent them to Gravity Falls in the first place. Maybe... I don't know. I... I as I got stumped earlier in this podcast, I don't know why they sent him to Gravity Falls in the first place. And then I have to think about it. Who is Dipper and Mabel's grandfather? If it is Stan's twin, what if something happened? Or what if what if whichever parent is related to Stan biologically, what if that person also grew up in Gravity Falls, has also went through all this, and what if they're building their own little group of, like, supernatural hunters and like, like and things to fight the supernaturals and yes i'm getting into the tv show supernatural but what if that is what's happening is stan and his brother would were originally the fighters and the defenders of gravity falls to protect it against you know against things like bill and things like gideon and things like these monsters and then dipper's parents were also the next generation and now they sent dipper and mabel to gravity falls for them to be the next generation I never actually thought about that. That could be, you know, them training up what's going on and being this next group of defenders of the peace and the protectors of Gravity Falls. That'd be a really cool thing. I like that. 
my my other big theory that I have going into um, Gravity Falls is <laughs> I think, and this is why I brought up Old Man McGucket. This is why I brought it up. <laughs> I have to wonder about. I mean, actually, I have to wonder about Old Man McGucket. There is a I wonder about him so much, and I brought him up in the very beginning, in the first place. It's like I said, he just shows up places. He's just always there. And he says some really, really strange things that just seems outside of his character. There's a moment, um, and, and, and the reason, uh, I'll talk about that moment in a minute, but, um, there's just something odd about him, of why he's always there, and he seems to know a lot more to going on, and he's smart. Like, he's really smart down on the inside. Like, he's a great engineer. If he can build a giant sea creature monster or a big giant Gideon bot, he's smart. He's not just a local kook. And what I think that's going on with Old Man McGucket is I think he wrote the books. I really do. I think he's the original writer of the three books. Because he says at one part in... I think it's the bottomless pit episode he says you can run but i'll still be in your nightmares which you know just seems like kind of a funny line until bill comes along and the thing is bill's a dream demon he's in people's nightmares he can go into people's heads and that line from old man mcguckett suddenly takes a lot more meaning that maybe he was the original writer of the book, and he used to know what's going on. And he says, like, you know, he has a past. He says that, you know, people didn't come to his retirement. His son suddenly stopped hanging out with him. His wife left him. Um, like, these bad things have happened in his life where he's lost everything. Well, what if it happened that he used to be very smart, and he, he used to be a great inventor, and he wrote these books, and then Bill got in his head. And he originally trusted Bill, and Bill was what drove him crazy. And it's what made his wife leave him. It's what made his son ignore him. It's what made everybody see him as this crazy guy. And it was because Bill drove him insane. And I, I think there's something much more to Old Man McGucket than we know. There's something going on there because he's perfectly okay when supernatural things happen around him. He's not phased by the fact that the submarine trickster is in his building. He knows how to get out of being eaten by a baby pterodactyl. Like, he knows how to do all these things that a crazy old man should not know how to know. And he's close to Stan's age. I would actually say he's probably older than Stan. And so maybe it's one of those things that he wrote the book, and then Stan and Stan's twin found it, and then they started the whole, as I would say, the protectors of Gravity Falls and going down through everything. So I, I want to know more of what's going on there, or I could just be completely wrong. There might be nothing going on with old man and Guckin. He's just a crazy, crazy guy. I have to wonder about how more uh, of the characters are going to be returning. I think we're going to see a return of a lot of the season, uh, a lot of the season one villains. Speaking of that, we might as well go talk about what's going to happen in season two. To be perfectly honest, I have no idea what's going to happen in season two. Absolutely no idea. I, I keep looking at different things about where we're even going to go. I, 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 you know, I have a feeling we're going to get tricked and we're going to think we're going to learn about the portal that Stan opens at season one. At the end of season one, I, I just, I don't think we're going to learn about it <laughs> until the end of freaking season two. Um, 
I would like to see Dipper and Mabel discover it, though. You know, like they they find they find out that there is more to stand than what they know. Um, and I, I think that we're going to see the return of a lot of the villains. Blend and Blandin vows revenge on them, and we see him pop up in other spots through the rest of the season after his episode. Gideon vows revenge on them. I mean, I, I think we're going to see uh, Bill says that he's going to be back and that he's always watching them. I think we're going to see a return of a lot of these villains, which I would love to see some of them back. I mean, I've talked forever about Bill. I would love to see Bill come back, and I think there's more to him that's going on. I also think we're going to see more characters. Um, Alex Hirsch was talking about how in um, during the Nerdist Writers po- uh, panel podcast thingy about one of his flaws from the ver- from the very beginning is that he didn't have enough main characters on his show. And he, I think he even mentioned that for season two, they're bringing in more characters. I would love for that to be Dipper's parents, Dipper and Maple's parents. Like, I would love to see their parents come in and see how they work in all this. I would love to see Stan's twin, if there is a twin, come in and see how he works into this entire process. Um, I would also like to see more girls. Um, I would love to see more than just Wendy and Mabel and have a more girl presence on this show. And maybe that could be Dipper and Mabel's mom. Like, maybe their mom is the one that's related to Stan. Like, we, I kind of always fall back on the thought process that it's Dipper and Mabel's father that's related to Grunkle Stan. I would actually, I think it'd be really cool if it's actually the mother, and the mother grew up around the supernatural, and she's the one that, you know, is watching out for the kids and wanted them to go here, while the dad's just a normal run-of-the-mill guy. I I think that'd be a really, really cool take on bringing in more characters and and seeing their family. Um, And I, I would love to see, you know, more of the other characters step up, like Robbie, and see them come into the main cast more. And Alex Hirsch mentioned that, that he is going to be bringing probably in more characters for season two and uh, work their way into the mythos and work their way in. And guys, just go listen to the Writers Panel podcast uh, for the Nerdist. The Nerdist Writers Panel podcast. There we go. It's, it's a really great insight on the show. Um, I mean, like I said, I don't, I don't know what's going on with this portal. I, don't, I, I really doubt we're going to get an explanation right away for it. Um, it might be one of... And Disney's channel schedules are so weird. It took them an entire year to put out 20 episodes. And a lot of that is just Disney ske- channel schedules anyway. The Disney channel has really weird schedules. And they'll be like, look, these three new episodes. And then we're not going to put out any new episodes for a month. Hey, ABC. Same thing happened to a lot of your other shows. And you wonder why your ratings are down. Um, so, I don't know. I don't think we're going to get an epi- uh, 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 explanation right away about what this portal is and how it works and what it even is. I really do think it's a wormhole. Um, I think it's a wormhole into... I want to say another dimension, but maybe it's another form of Gravity Falls. Maybe it's another take on it. Maybe it's a parallel world and it runs long and we're going to see other Dipper and other Mabel and like they're the complete abs- like opposites. Or maybe we'll see other Gideon or... It could be Bill's world, or it could just be the world where his brother, where Stan's twin brother, if there is one, lives, or is trapped. Um, but I, I would actually like to see the explanation of the portal about midway through season two, and then the rest of the season be the fallout from that. But the first half of the season is still just, you know, the adventure of the week. You know, this is the adventure of the week. This is what's happening, and like that would keep us watching. We'd be like, when are they going to explain what this thing is? I do not know. Um, and that would keep me watching, because I want to know what the hell this thing is. 
Hmm. So I'm thinking about this in the narrative, like in the arc. What would be the best way to bring in this portal? Because if they explain it too soon, then the fallout could be a big. It could be a big fallout unless they have something else that's bigger than Stan opening a magical, mystical portal to whatever. Um, they would have to really build up there. So I really don't think it'd be smart for them to explain it at the beginning of the season. I think it's something that needs to come towards the end of the season, towards season two, but have build-ups to uh, Mabel and Dipper finding it. Um, it could be like little things that they start seeing clues or start seeing Grunkle Stan act differently or him become more secretive than he already is, and they start seeing little things happening. Or maybe there could be side effects to opening this portal. Maybe little things start happening in Gravity Falls, like the weather starts changing. Or these clouds come in and they're like crazy mag- electromagnetic clouds. Like it's just little things just start coming to Gravity Falls more. And Dipper and Mabel start seeing it and other people start seeing it. Maybe Wendy and Robbie start seeing these things and start joining the Mabel and uh, Dipper on their adventures. And it could be a nice slow build up to everybody finding the portal at the end. I don't know. I talked a lot about Gravity Falls. <laughs> I feel like I've rambled a lot about Gravity Falls and really haven't covered anything. Um, what I would suggest to... to you guys need to see my notes. I just want to say this. I always outline my notes for a podcast. And absolutely, there's arrows drawn to everything. And there's circles. And there's there's stars and numbers and letters. Like when It's taken me days just to write this outline for Gravity Falls. And I still don't feel like I've successfully covered why this show is awesome. And why I love the show. And why I love the characters. But I just gotta say. You just gotta watch it. You just gotta watch Gravity Falls. It's if, if it's a good show if you don't want to think about the extra stuff. And you just want to sit there and enjoy it. There's great humor. There's a lot of adult jokes in it. There is a great, great episode where Grunkle Stan tells Maple about puberty. And scars her for life. Because she's in Dipper's body. She's trapped in Dipper's body, and she and he thinks it's Dipper. So he explains to Mabel all the male things about puberty, and I found it absolutely hilarious. While I went completely over my nanny kid's head, um, so there's a great a lot of great adult jokes, and there's a lot of great kids jokes, and the animation is beautiful. The music is amazing. I can't talk enough about this show. I could probably do an entire another entire episode of just Gravity Falls, and I feel like I haven't even given this one justice. Um, it's very rare I have trouble sitting down and writing an outline and talking about a show. And it's, it just seems so simple. I should be able to sit down and talk about why a kid's show is great. But when a show is this complex and this deep, it's really hard to tackle. And this is probably one of the hardest podcast episodes I've ever had to make in my life. It's, it, like, I, I've been doing this since 2009, and I just, I can't wrap my head around why this show is so hard to talk about. Because it's... And I actually know. I know exactly why. There are so many good things, and it's so deep and complex that I can't easily summarize it. Because on the surface, it's a show about two kids who go to their uncle, and they find out there's more going on in this town that's in, along the supernatural. That's the baseline. But when you really start diving into the mythos and what's going on, and you see the clues, and you see the build-up, and you see that there's lead-ins to other things, and you see bad guys appear in episodes before they should even be in the show... Like, there's so much more going on, and there's so many layers. And Alex Hirsch, I applaud you. You're a genius. This is a fantastic show. I'd be, like, this is the kind of show I want to work on. 
Um, I mean, I mean, you guys know I'm a freelance writer, and this is this is a show that I would love to be a part of. I, it's so smart and so deep, and it's so great, and it's so real. The relationships are just real, and it's a great representation of how brothers and sisters work, and how to have a healthy relationship in a dysfunctional family. You know, no one really ever puts anybody down, and if it happens, and if they fight, they always make up. And this is just a great overall show. Go watch Gravity Falls. The season just ended. It, probably what's going to happen is we're going to have season one soon. I hope it's on Netflix soon. Um, they've been replaying all the episodes on demand on, for Comcast, which I've been enjoying rewatching them because I haven't seen some of the early and middle episodes in a long, 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 long time. And it's creepy, and it's fun, and it's hilarious, and it has the adventures, and it has girl stuff, it has guy stuff, it has something for everybody. So, go watch Gravity Falls, guys. It's fantastic. I can't ramble about it enough. Um, I'd love to hear your feedback, any fan theories. You can send me feedback at hope at twotruefreaks.com. Uh, you can also please leave me a review in iTunes. Please uh, rate me in iTunes. It helps people find my show. It helps people follow, find all the shows by Two True Freaks. Make sure you check out our website at twotruefreaks.com and see all of our shows because we have a bajillion of them. And, yeah, I'm looking forward to Dragon Con. Um, and, and there's a Gravity Falls panel at Dragon Con. I'm really looking forward to going and seeing it and hearing what people have to say about the show and how what people think. And maybe people think something different than I do and can actually vocalize better than I can about what they feel about the show. So, yeah, that's everything from me, guys. Um, I'm hungry. I'm going to go eat. My name is Hope Monax. Make sure you review me in iTunes and make sure you check out my, some of my other works and some of my other specials. Probably next month is going to be my DragonCon special because DragonCon is two weeks away. I'm so excited. I do have a panel at DragonCon. I'm going to be on the Once Upon a Time panel. It's the Season 2 panel at Saturday at 5.30. I'll be with my friends uh, Bill Meeks from Greetings from Storybrooke and the uh, wonderful group from the podcast Operation Cobra. Both are great shows. If you're a monster, go check them out. And come on and see me if you're at DragonCon. And, yeah, I need to stop talking. I've talked and rambled too long. And thank you guys so much for always listening. I really greatly appreciate it. I'm always happy to have you guys here. And drop me a line. And you can always find me on Tumblr at uh, Geek Girl Experience. You can follow me on Twitter at Hope Molinax. That's M-U-L-L-I-N-A-X. I'm just going to shut up now. Guys, thanks for listening to this brand new episode of Hope of All Trades. My name's Hope Molinax, and I hope you have a great day, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye! Did you know that you can become a sponsor for any of our shows? What you need to do is go to the website at twotruefreaks.com. Then you click on the donate button, and you can leave any donation of your choice, whether it's $2 or a bajillion dollars. If you want, you'll also have a chance to leave a message, but that's up to you. But please make sure you let us know which show you're leaving a donation for. And that way, on our next episode, we can give you our thanks. The other way to make a donation is to go to the Amazon logo on our website before you make any Amazon purchase. When you click on it, take a straight to Amazon and then you can buy whatever you want. It's going to be no extra charge to you but we will get a portion of it and it really goes a long way and we're very thankful for it. So go make a donation today at twotruefreaks.com.